You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. You call in, leave a message, and we'll talk about whatever it is you got on your mind. If you'd like to call in, the number is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do not have any new callers today. So we're going to go ahead and get started with Mr. Nate. From who knows where. Hey, Becca, it's Nate. Um, hey. Wanted to call in because I think as Packers fans and owners of the team, we really need to start thinking about Super Bowl. Okay. Um, and obviously, like, you know, building a really good team and, you know, working through the draft and picking up good players, that's just not working for us. Okay. So um, I think we need to start doing, like, what, you know, what other teams with owners do. Um, so we need to find somebody in the organization who is a like, rich old white guy, yeah. uh, who knows the right people, can get into that inner cabal, inner circle, who uh, who secretly plans all these games and writes the scripts for them. Right. <clears throat> so what we're going to need to do as Packer fans is we're all going to have to start pitching in. We're going to have to get about $10 million bucks, um, either cash or just like gold bricks or something. That'd be good. Lay those down at Roger Goodell's feet. Um, we'll probably have to include a human sacrifice of some kind. Somebody's going to have to bite the bullet on that yeah, one. we'll figure it out. Uh, maybe we can get by with a goat. I don't really know. Uh, I don't know the rules. Is that Rogers? We'll or... check into that a little bit more. Right. And then uh, if we need to sweeten the pot, we can always try to throw something in Rogers' contract where mm-hmm. uh, the Packers technically own his soul. Right. Um, you know, I think he'll get a kick out of it. We'll, we'll tell him. It's like, Haha, won't that be funny? <laughs> we'll tell him that we, we, we added uh, in your contract that we own your soul now. And uh, it's just a big goof. And we actually do, and then we sell it to them. Yeah, no. Satan, however they want to do that. Be crazy. Um, just, just a thought. You know, want to get your your thoughts and opinions. Um, do you? Maybe you know the right people. We can get this, uh, get the ball rolling here. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can set up uh, a Patreon just for that. Um, let me know your thoughts. Go back. Go. Yeah, GoFundMe or something. Maybe uh, raising ten million dollars. Uh, also looking for sacrifice volunteers, which is a thing, by the way. We're not going to get into that because it's pretty morbid, but. Um, no, I can't stop thinking about that thing. Anyways, yeah, so it's worth a shot. If Rodgers does come back this year, maybe that's what we do. 
because, you know, ugh, sorry, we've tried it. The, as you said, the, the talent way, you know, get a bunch of players and try hard, blah, blah, blah. Great elite quarterback, wide receiver. Like we, we did the formula that's supposed to work and it's not working. Now, if, if Rodgers doesn't come back, before we get too drastic with gold bullion and um, human sacrifices and whatnot, let's see what love can do, you know? Let's see how that goes. Maybe things kind of go in a different direction. Maybe we get a little bit of Eagles, Jalen Hurts thing going on, you know? We get a little bit of extra cash. We get our own A.J. Brown and, you know, things of that nature. Um, so that I, I suppose that's where I would stand on it. If Rodgers doesn't come back, let's see how it goes with love, at least for a couple years before we, we go down that road. If Rodgers does come back, yeah, yeah, we could try it. Um, I don't think I want to set that up, that that fund. But if you want to, I might contribute. Um, and no, I don't really know anyone in that um, in that realm, you know, as far as uh, rich white guys, um, sacrifices, all that stuff. I'm I'm not super familiar with that side of things. Uh, uh, human souls and um, and whatnot, and contracts. I mean, I, I could talk to my half Mexican lawyer, see if he could write something up, um, if he could help out as far as selling his soul to Goodell. Um, it's about all I got, Nate. I appreciate the uh, you putting in the hard work over there. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, Ryan. Hope I'm getting through. I didn't quite hear your message on that. Um, Got you loud and clear. Sitting here uh, driving along, I had to stop because much like you, if I don't uh, get a thought out and I let it go for some time, it'll train, it'll depart, and I won't even remember. I get it. <laughs> you, I'm listening to the the show talking about the doc interview and and it's. Dang it, Steve. Hang in there. You're almost right there, but you're missing an important detail. Yeah, I don't think this is going to work, Steve. Steve did call back. Let's see if this is any better. Hey, uh, listen to you, uh, I'm, I'm days behind, but I was listening to you talk about uh, Jersey Mike, which is go by go Jersey Mike. Yeah. like listening to you complain about uh, the team and what we do makes me laugh, especially when it's true. But uh, I figured you could just have them just record, like, you know, 30 minutes or three, some players and have them send it to you, and you can on as its own little update. And, you know, like Peyton or any of the other guys. Steve is up in Alaska, so some of these calls are not getting through. But, yeah, shout out to Jersey Mike for sure, you know. All right, we're off to a weird start. Uh, speaking of, what's up, JJ? Hey, Ryan, it's JJ. What's up? Um, all right, I'm watching The Office for, like, yes. you know, the billionth time. Watching it with my wife, who she has never seen all the way through. Nice. And we made it to season nine. We're halfway through season nine, which is... Horrific, uh-huh. awful, and getting a little bit nervous because once this show is over, we're not really sure what to watch next. Yeah, that I know how that goes. We're trying Parks and Rec. We heard that you got to just skip the first season, so we jumped into season two, and it's okay. Never really watched. Good, it. Good, not great. We'll stick with it and see if it grows on us. 
Uh, you got any recommendations for something to take the place of like, hey, we have, you know, 20 minutes here, half an hour here, whatever. Let's pop an office on and, you know, eat our pizza or whatever. Got a recommendation? So my wife and I do reality TV. For whatever reason, that's just something that we both enjoy. Um, we like laughing at, at other people and their misfortune. Um, so we do, um, man, there's actually kind of a lot now that I think about it. As far as stuff we do with the family, there's always Undercover Boss, Shark Tank, things like that. Her and I watch uh, Married at First Sight, which is fun because the people are crazy. And it's just a fun kind of marriage thing. You would probably come at it from a slightly different standpoint because you're more newly married a little bit. But it's still, you can kind of identify, like, the, they're, they're a little psycho, but it's like, oh, yeah, we kind of, there's a little bit of that. Or I used to kind of be a little bit like that or whatever. But mostly you just kind of sit back and laugh and feel good about your marriage because it's significantly better than what they're going through. Um, we also just started the uh, the new Gordon Ramsay thing where there's like the three levels because we, we went through the same thing where um, we are kind of caught up on the, the show we usually watch. So it's like, well, now what do we do? We also went uh, old school with Wife Swap because we were kind of laughing and joking about, remember that show, how stupid it was? Ha ha ha. And then we saw it on Hulu and was like, let's just try it. And it's pretty good. But it's also, even that is kind of getting to the point where it's like, yeah, it's getting a little old, you know? It's the same thing over and over again. I mean, different, but the same and cringy, but funny sometimes. Otherwise, if you're not looking for reality TV, uh, the the things that I default to that I know like my wife enjoys would be King of Queens. She has not really seen Everybody Loves Raymond, but I'm a huge fan of that, more so than King of Queens, although King of Queens is great. So if you're kind of looking for a sitcom-y kind of thing, I really like those two for sure. would be my thoughts. All right, real quick, more on... Season nine of The Office. Yep. So, you know, they got new writers for this season. And I just don't think that the writers understand the characters. Like in past seasons, all these characters would do, you know, ridiculous things, but they had like an end goal in mind. And usually if they did something ridiculous, you'd think to yourself, well, that's kind of weird. Why would they do that? And then the reason would be revealed later and you'd learn something about the characters. And in this season, it's just like the writers thought, hey, what would be something funny? Oh, this would be funny. Which characters on the show could do that? I know. Uh, Nelly and Jim, they'll have this interaction. Like, they wrote the joke without the characters in mind. Yeah. Uh, also, I think that the beginning of the end for The Office was the meatball <laughs> prank. <laughs> Still the dumbest part of the office. It's kind of downhill from there. There's a few good episodes. Like, I think the lights episode is hilarious, and that's, like, pretty deep into season nine. There's some gems in there, but I just don't think that the writers Life episode. understand the characters. I think they just tried to hire some people who knew how to write jokes, and these writers looked at the show and said, well basically a bunch of crazy people in an environment of this office building. So we'll just have them do ridiculous things. And then the fans will eat it up because fans are stupid. I feel like that's the attitude that the writers had. Yeah, I kind of, I feel like there's, for me, uh, I used to be that way where it's like, 
you get to a certain point, it's like this show's stupid. Now I kind of see it as ups and downs. Um, there's certain periods of the office where when you're going all the way through, it's like, oh, you know, the, the boat Andy and stuff is just awful. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of going through season nine because it all just blends together for me at this point. I'm not a huge fan of the new guys, that's for sure. Plop and whatnot. Andy's ancestry is pretty dumb. Oh, lice. Is that what you said? Light? You probably said lice. Yeah, I do hate the the whole thing with Jim being gone, and then there's like a weird thing with Pam and the, the boom guy, and I get it. I get what you're saying. I do kind of like the finale, though. It's not very office-y, but I like it. Um, well, due to the technical issues with Steve and whatnot, um, we'll probably have to take a break here. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode than I was anticipating. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. You can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Also, I do want to say thank you to Mark Clays for the Venmo donation. I don't know how you got that, but I do appreciate it. Uh, I do have a Venmo uh, Packernet podcast. I always forget about it. Honestly, I forget how to even log into it, but I think I got it now. I wanted to get in there and say thank you, but I couldn't log in, Mark. But I want to say thank you very much for that donation. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, as a reminder, that is an option for everyone. Again, it is at Packernet Podcast. And as always, please consider um, checking out, donating to, um, supporting Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find more about them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, back then, it's Nate. I hey, uh, just wanted to call in and give an update that as of next week, it will officially have been a month uh, since the Packers finished their season, giving Rodgers a full month to make a decision that probably could have been made in a couple weeks. Um, he claimed he wasn't going to, you know, hold this over. Um, he wasn't going to, you know, shackle us or make us or force us to do anything. He, he made all these promises, and uh, so far, nothing. Not shocked. Um, seeing as he says and does two different things. So I don't know if he's just off um, jacking it in Hawaii or smoking peyote and drinking heroin. I don't know <laughs> what he's what he's doing these days, but the whole routine he's of golfing. just being this edgy, edgy hippie, um, you know, loves to like do drugs and he's so cool. Um, yeah, that's, that is cool. But you know, when that stops being cool is after, after like college um so you know when you're like mid-20s at most um i don't know if he realizes that he's going to be 40 years old and he still thinks that like doing drugs and and being super edgelord is, is cool but it's not man it's kind of sad i just really feel really sad for you that that's where he's at um so that's uh, just just my announcement that he's now had a um basically a month to make a decision and he hasn't done so, Rogers, go back go. Sorry about my uh, son barging in there. He wanted to show me something super cool. But, um, I mean, I, I didn't expect anything soon because this is exactly what happened last year. It's why I said, uh, what did I say, last week of February or something? He said, I think, on the Pat McAfee show today that it would be a couple weeks, so it might be a little sooner, although, you know, a couple doesn't necessarily mean have, have to mean exactly two. It's not like... By the 14th, I expect some kind of a thing. But I do think it's going to be in that range, two, three, four weeks, somewhere in there. Um, as far as what he should do, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I don't really have an issue with him taking his time so long as it doesn't interfere with stuff. I mean, it, it it's going to to some degree. I mean, we have a lot of decisions that need to be made and kind of soon. Um, and it's kind of a massive decision. I mean, as far as like salary cap implications, not just this year, but next year and trade stuff and this, that, and the other. And and I think the only thing that's maybe slightly, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking he's really racking his brain and he's really trying to get to the heart of this and he's having conversations. And when he goes on Pat McAfee, it's like, no, nah, I haven't really thought about it. You know, I haven't really thought about football. I'll get there. You know, I got stuff going on and all this. It's It's like, all right, well. Please think about it a little, all right? <laughs> like you said, it's been a month, so, I mean, I know you got stuff going on, you're just trying to, I mean, you, you can, I don't know, I don't know. I, I wish he wouldn't say that, <laughs> just lie to me and be like, look, this is a big decision, and I'm working through it with people that are that I trust and trying really hard to make up uh, the best decision. He's like, no, nah, I don't know, dude, I'm golfing, I don't give a crap. I'll figure it out when I feel like it. Give me a couple of weeks, I'll give you an answer, but otherwise, shove it. It's like, oh, okay, we'll be here. 
watching Pat McAfee show for hours just to see if there's any updates, even though I know there's not, and I don't really want to watch the show, but I feel obligated because maybe something's going to happen, and nothing ever happens. Plus, it's not going to be on the Pat McAfee. This is the same thing that happened last time with the contract. Like, we got to watch the Pat McAfee show every single time, every single time. And then it was like an hour before he even went on Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee got the insight tweeted it so you know rogers gave him the news so he could break it not on the show but before the show so i never even needed to watch anything and that's probably what's going to happen this time we're going to get breaking news at 10 a.m an hour before he goes on his show to break the news so we don't even really need to watch the show but um again he i I, he's he's got the right to take his time and, and figure it out it's fine as long as it doesn't um cause any issues and and i think he's going to make sure that that's the case but again starting in like march we got to start paying i think like seven million dollars to aaron jones and there's some big implications that are coming up that we got to figure out um so but he knows all that and i'm sure the packers told him you know we kind of would like an answer by this time or whatever so he's gonna go until then so i don't know it's a big decision take your time but like work on it a little bit. Hey Ryan, I was wondering if you could do a quick uh, breakdown of uh, potentially draft picks that could come from the University of Illinois, who okay. has a stacked defense, who was rated one of the best defenses in all of football last year. Um, overall, was a, a very highly rated team okay. at one point. Uh, and has some really good talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, but I wondered if you would just, uh, delve into some of these guys because I think there's potentially at least, uh, maybe five or six guys that could be drafted, uh, this year from this group. Uh, one guy being the cornerback Witherspoon. Witherspoon, yeah. Uh, that I think Green Bay may actually take a look at. Uh, another guy on the other side of the ball is their running back Brown, who was one of the most consistent uh, running backs in all of football last year that, uh, I think he could go mid round, uh, just because of, uh, potential, you know, his consistency and his uh, ability to rush for over 100 yards every single game, uh, is, is somebody maybe they would consider in a late round. So, uh, other than that, maybe their defensive, uh, tackle juice, um, is another guy you can look at, but this whole team is like one of those, um, you know, championship Georgia Bulldogs type, type of teams where they just had, uh, town after town after town yeah. on uh, on defense. So I just wonder if you just go through and look through uh, potentially at these guys that Green Bay may uh, take a look at. Yeah, so just checking out PFF, um, it kind of reminds me of Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati last year was this just dominant, dominant defense. And nobody, and everybody, again, everybody talks about Georgia and all these teams. And they, a little bit, I mean, if you're tuned into college football and whatnot, I'm sure you know about how well they were doing or whatever, but um, I was a little surprised to see that they just had this dominant, you know, that's where I believe Sauce Gardner came from and whatnot. So, yeah, looking at PFF, Iowa is graded as the best defense, then Michigan, then Texas State, which, you know, they don't adjust for competition. And then it's Illinois. Is the, They have it as the fourth best, or you could say third best if you want to eliminate Texas State uh, defense in all of college football. So as of right now, just looking at the consensus big boards, um, Witherspoon, the cornerback, is considered a first-round prospect. He's considered uh, expected to go around pick 23. Then you mentioned Brown, but there's actually another Brown that's considered a slightly better prospect, and that's Sidney Brown, uh, is a, another DB. He's a safety. 
then you mentioned Chase Brown, and I don't see their defensive tackle, but they have another safety, so three DBs. Uh, this time it's Jatavius Martin that they have going around pick 132. So that's three guys all pretty close to the top 100. If you just look at their um, defense overall, as far as their grades, they had two elite players. Uh, maybe this is who you're talking about. Jerzon Newton, if I'm saying that right, defensive tackle, at a 91.5 grade. The highest graded, though, was Witherspoon, uh, Devin Witherspoon, 92 grade, 92.5 coverage grade. Gave up just 206 yards, had uh, three interceptions, gave up zero touchdowns, and had 14 pass breakups. Holy crap. <laughs> That's a lot of pass breakups. 25 uh, passer rating. He did have six penalties, so if I had to guess, a little bit grabby. Uh, he's also six foot 180, so he's a little bit smaller, but you know, I think it's one of those things where the guy's just a stud, so I think you're going to kind of look past it. I haven't checked him out because I feel like we're probably not going to draft a corner, although I do think it's certainly on the table if that is you know, the best possible option. Now, to be clear, um, he is one of those guys that had a massive breakout year. So if you trust it, then he's just a stud, and he was pretty consistent all year. Um, but his, in his four years, his PFF grades were 65, 68, 69, and then 92. Sometimes that just happens. I don't know. The other thing to be concerned about, though, is things like interceptions and pass breakups or whatever can be a little bit fleeting. And what happens if he goes from three interceptions and 14 pass breakups to what he had the year before, which is zero interceptions, six pass breakups, or two interceptions, zero pass breakups, or zero interceptions, two pass breakups? In other words, if you just take away the flashy stuff, what's left as far as substance? But again, if you if you buy into it, if you look at it and say, I think that's legit, I think he just kind of turned a corner in year four, and that's just who he is and whatnot— he is the second highest graded corner in all of college football. The only guy that was higher is Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo, which again, lesser competition. So at least I think it is. Um, yeah, significantly higher grade than even guys like Keely Ringo, who I saw ran really fast and is expected to have a great time. Higher than Cam Smith, uh, higher than Joey Porter, higher than Christian Gonzalez. So maybe somewhat of a boomer bust prospect. Maybe it's a scheme thing. They just found out how to put him in the right situation. You got to make sure you know what you're doing if you're drafting him. But I think you see the upside. And that's probably why, despite being one of the best corners, if not the best corner in college football, he's kind of back of the first round. There's fears about the fact that this kind of came out of nowhere, a smaller guy, like, is, is this legit? Is this going to be a good fit, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Sidney Brown is somewhat similar, which is probably going to be the case for all these guys at Illinois because Illinois kind of came out of nowhere. So you got a lot of guys that weren't great that became great. Again, that's kind of how you become a great team. But uh, five years at Illinois, his grades 54, 43, 52, 65, and then this year he exploded 78 overall grade, highest run defense grade, uh, second highest tackling grade, which still wasn't very good. Um Decent pass rush grade, which is somewhat significant because he did it 21 times. Uh, but his coverage grade is the thing that really exploded, and it seems like that's where Illinois really excelled. That's why their DBs are the ones that are uh, in the draft. But his coverage grade went from a 54, 42, 48, 63 up to a 90, an 89.4. He uh, let's see, gave up 342 yards, one touchdown, six interceptions, six pass breakups, 49.6 pass rating. And again, that would make me really nervous 
the guy has never really been a good safety. Um, and then kind of explodes with six interceptions and six pass breakups. He had four interceptions in four years and suddenly had six this year. He had, uh, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven pass breakups in his last four years, and he had six this year. I just feel like those numbers are going to come down, and then what are you left with? That's what makes me a little bit nervous about him. Um, And if you look at his grades, he only had four games that are 70 or higher. and then uh, in two of those games, his two highest, he had two interceptions. So against Nebraska, he had a 75 grade with two interceptions. And then against Northwestern, 84 with uh, two interceptions. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to discount them because, yeah, good for you. Congratulations. But it would just make me really nervous because the guy's never been good. And then he got a bunch of picks, which, of course, is going to translate into a bunch of hype and a, bu- and a really good PFF grade and all that. Um, but I have no expectation he's going to get six picks and six pass breakups every year. Then Jartavis Martin, who's listed as a safety, actually played corner this past year. Uh, pretty similar situation. He didn't really explode, but it was his best year, and the biggest thing that exploded was actually his run defense and tackling. Just elite run defense, which nobody cares about. Um, coverage has been pretty consistent around the 60s, so pretty mid-range there. And then finally mentioned the running back who... Um, Again, maybe third-ish, fourth-ish round guy. Uh, he is coming up on 23 years old, 5'11", 205. It's been five years in college, four years at Illinois. His first year was at Western Michigan. Really just been starting the last three years at Illinois. And he's always graded out well, which is nice. I like that consistency. Last three years, 75, 81, 81. Uh, average five yards per carry. His career average is 5.2, so that's pretty consistent. Ten touchdowns, five fumbles, 2.84 yards after contact. Um, 48 carries of 10 or more yards. That feels like a really high, really high number. <laughs> and it is. I just looked it up. That's the second highest. Um, Frank Gore Jr., 46. That's funny. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, Eastern Carolina, is the only one that's higher. Otherwise, um, Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota tied him at 48. So he's tied for second most carries. So he's, he's obviously a home run hitter. I mean, you have more... 10-yard carries than just about everybody, but you're at five yards per carry, which is not massively high. So it leads me to believe, again, that this is a home run situation. He also has the sixth most uh, carries of 15 yards or more. Sounds like an exciting guy to watch. But 23 times this year he had carries over 15 yards. I tell you what, I, I was just watching uh, Chase. And by the way, running backs are like my favorite. I, it, I, very rarely do I watch a running back and I'm like, man, I don't really like it. You know, wide receivers, one or two per year. Running backs, 50, 60, 70%. I'm like, dude, I like this guy. But I really do like Chase Brown. It seems to me, first of all, he's, what did I say? He's 5'10", 5'11". So he's not that short, but he seems to be one of those guys that's a little bit more short or compact and his legs just kick real fast. So maybe he's not going as fast as it looks like, but he looks like he's flying. But the one thing I really like is not only is he quick and bursty, but he's powerful. It's one thing to be quick, but then get lit up. He's one of those guys, I forget who they were talking about in the playoffs, but about how being a running back is all about mentality, and that's kind of what I dog A.J. Dillon about. Like, you're built like a tank, but you don't really play like it a lot. This guy's a smaller guy, but he he just busts right through arm tackles and everything else. The only seeming knock that I would have, trying to think of a comp for him, and the only thing that kind of came to mind was uh, Christian McCaffrey. Not saying he's Christian McCaffrey, but but and and that's really the biggest thing. My favorite attribute of Christian McCaffrey was his his shiftiness, and I don't see a lot of that with him. 
But I think that could work in a scheme like what the Packers have because it's run lateral and burst as fast as you can through that hole. I mean, it's really what AJ uh, Aaron Jones does so well. He's not he's not similar to Aaron Jones. He's different. But I think it could work in a very similar way. So I like him. I like Chase Brown. <laughs> the more I watch him, the more he does kind of remind me of Aaron Jones. He's so quick and decisive. And when it's not there, what does he do? He goes flying, bounces to the outside. There was even a, a, a play I saw of him where he kind of tried to hit the hole and there was nothing there. So he, what does he do? He slams into the back of him, does a little spin move, bursts to the outside. I'm like, dude, that is, that's freaking Aaron Jones. Also seems to be a decent enough receiver. He only had a 62 grade, um, but 240 yards, three, recept, uh, three touchdowns as a receiver on top of everything else. I like him. All right, Nate. Take us home, man. Hey, Beck Daddy. It's Nate again. Um, just wanted to see if you had looked into uh, Hendon Hooker at all. I kind of like him as a prospect. Um, I have heard that uh, that Cleveland's looking at him. Um, just, uh, I guess, Deshaun is just really looking for uh, for a hooker in the building. So, uh, yeah, go back home. Did you ask me to look into Hendon Hooker just so you could drop that joke? Is that what we're doing here? But... Uh, I will say this, Hendon Hooker, biggest negative that I can see is he's already 25 years old, um, but he has a 90.9 PFF grade, spent two years at Tennessee, 85 and then 90. Uh, he's gotten better every year. His first two years were Virginia Tech and in order, 75, 82, 84, and then 91 essentially is his grade this year. Uh, really didn't have any bad games. His worst was LSU. He had a 63.2 grade, threw for 239 yards and two touchdowns in that game. That was as bad as it gets for him, apparently. Uh, but he was out there throwing bombs to Jalen Hyatt. Um, just That's just kind of his thing. And yeah, he's extremely mobile, 85 rushing grade, 6'4", 220. So he's a big dude. He can run. He's got a big arm and um, kind of in that late second, early third kind of category right now. So... I uh, appreciate the kind of question. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys for your calls. Please make sure to get your calls in 608-501-0718 so that we can do this again tomorrow. Um, I don't think there's going to be a uh, Packernet podcast tomorrow. I'm just kind of out of time here. So we shall see. I will do my best. Have a good one. Bye-bye.